Hello and welcome to the podcast of Lotus Eaters. This is episode 860 on Wednesday, the 27th of February, 2024. That's right. Callum not hosting means you do get the day and the date to go along with it. Although, to be fair, somebody's noted this down wrong because it is the 28th of February. So uh, that's fantastic. Uh, but was that... was That That was me. Were you taking some <laughs> cues from Callum there? That was me, yeah. I think we can still blame Callum. I was just channeling uh, Callum. There we, uh, there blame, we go. Blame it on Callum. We wanted to make sure that you still get your daily dose of Dara on here. <laughs> um, and as you can see, I'm joined today by Bo and our very special guest, Mr. H, also going by... Nate. Nate, as we'll <laughs> call you today. Uh, how are you feeling today? Yeah, good. Good, yeah. I had a fantastic sit-down. Uh, so yeah, it was good. Yeah, so people can look forward to a conversation between you coming out on the website soon. Yeah, it won't come out for a, a good week or so, but um, yeah, and uh, we're going to collaborate at some point. Start streaming four days a week. That's it. Nate Dog and the G Child. Look out! For it. <laughs> <laughs> I just made that up, by the way. <laughs> I think it sticks. I think it's got some. There's something iconic to that. The G Child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so today we're going to be talking about the the British skin and as, uh, sin, I should say, and asking what is a British person. Uh, unlike some, we actually have answers to questions like that. That's why you come here. Uh, we're going to be looking at um, talking about Joe because we need to talk about Joe. You need to have a few words about Joe, yeah. sleepy Joe. And then I'm going to be exploring how satire is a completely meaningless word because uh, the leftoids have got a hold of it, and now they just don't understand how words work. Shockingly enough, when you get postmodern people who don't believe in definitions, words completely lose all definitions. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Where can people find you as we start? Just Mr. H Reviews on uh, YouTube and Twitter. Wonderful. Thank you very much. So we'll get on with it. So let's talk about the British sin. And the British sin is something that we hear a lot about. And if I could refine it to one aspect of Britishness, it's that we exist. So it's an original sin. It's a type of original sin. Yes, ab- absolutely it is. And because of that, we must be erased and denied mm. our very existence. Because do you know that our ancestors, uh, or at least some people's ancestors who share an ethnicity with us, might have done bad things in the past? Sounds fair. It's funny how something that doesn't exist and has never existed also needs to be eradicated. Yes. That's weird. But... It's um, clearly rationalism mm. is fueling this. Yes, it's rational thought. This feeling this. So for this segment, I'm going to go over a bit of a spat that went on over the weekend that I got involved in, because this question of what is a British person, who are the British, is one that I would have thought would be settled by now, but it is still shocking to see how people with an immense amount of media influence, or even just a remote amount of media influence, are able to peddle this absolute filth, mm. as, as far as I'm concerned, by just... And uh, just deconstructing everything down to its most base components and then saying, because I can do that, it means it doesn't exist in the first place. Mm. The analogy that I keep hearing to people who ask these questions is, well, if you get a cake and you, you get a load of different ingredients and you bake it into a cake, because it's made of different ingredients, it doesn't exist anymore. The cake uh. can be denied because, well, once it was eggs, once it was flour, it might have had some sugar in there. So can you really say it's a cake? Mm. It's this absurd kind of thought. And it comes from people like Peter Jukes on here, who is the co-founder of the Byline Times, which is a lefty rag. And he was doing the sort of thing that everybody on the left does. Every time you hear anybody in the Conservative Party or slightly to the right of centre talk about the state of London and the state of migration coming into the country right now, both legal and illegal. And they say, 
This is worse than Enoch Powell. Enoch Powell, who we have prescribed as being the worst human being to have ever lived because he said, hey, have you thought that immigration might be a bit too high and then made some references to classical literature, therefore is the most evil person who's ever existed. I think that's a fair assessment. It pretty much goes Trump, Hitler, Enoch Powell. That's, that's There's some top, stiff competition. Yeah, that's, that's top I'd say that's right, you know, yeah. definitely. <laughs> in yeah. that order. And it, it's, it's always only in the service of just justifying the current thing. That's, that's all it is. This is really ad hoc, post hoc rationalization for the fact that, well, Labour opened the floodgates, literally went headhunting for migrants to go and put into the country so that we could rub the right's nose in, in diversity. And therefore, because that's already happened, you just have to accept it. And by the way, if you think you have any kind of shared identity, you don't. There you go, little right-winger. Let's rub your nose in that. That's, that's the logic it is. But it is disgusting to me that people still behave in this way and still throw this kind of dialogue about. Because he posted this over the weekend. A lot of people got into a bit of a tizzy about it. He started arguing with all sorts of people who came out with, um, actually, Enoch was right, or at the very least, had a point. And he just started going like, oh, I'm disgusted. I can't believe I don't see the Thames foaming with blood because that's exactly what he said, wasn't it? Stop stirring up trouble in my city. It's not your city, Peter. It's, it's certainly not your city anymore. And eventually, of course, after you get into lots of arguments with people, it ends up with this. This is the linchpin of the whole argument of their whole side of this, which is just the statement, you have no people just a racist fiction in your head with no basis in science or history. Enjoy it. That's absurd. It's quite a shocking statement, isn't it? What an, uh, but also, it's so detrimental to yourself. I mean, it, that's, it's, it's, he hates himself. It's absolutely absurd. But this but, is what we've seen with media and politics in general, is the degradation of any form of patriotism. And then that's it embodied right there, isn't it? You've got no people. I mean, that's just nonsense. Self-abnegation. No basis in science? <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, that, that is a good question because a lot of people uh, like um, Tom, Survive the Jive, who's uh, appeared having an interview with here uh, with, uh, with you before on Lotus Eaters, Bo. Uh, you can find that on the website on the Battlefield History interview with Tom Rousel. He's a good chap. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Very, very nice chap. I didn't get to meet him, sadly, but he does lots of excellent work where he discusses the both literary history of uh, the English people going back through ancient texts, reviewing those and seeing what were the people themselves saying about their own ancestry and history and culture, what stories were they telling themselves. And he also goes into lots of genetic history as well, looking at haplogroups. And he gave a quite nice breakdown here, which is pretty simple. It's a, uh, just a single paragraph. The British are the Welsh, Scots and English. The Iron Age Celtic-speaking populations of the first millennium BC had more ancestry from the pre-Celtic inhabitants of the island than they did from the Celts. The Romans left no genetic legacy here. A lot of people think that they did, but I think there's like a, a fraction of a percentage in some regions of the country, but for the most part, they didn't really leave much here uh, beyond their, uh, their buildings, of course. I thought the Romans brought millions of black legionaries here. Yeah, that's... I thought uh... that's... Is that not... Firm history. I thought they were already here, weren't they? The Stone Age. Oh right, Stonehenge. Yeah, yeah even the, the the builders of Stonehenge. Yeah. back. Sorry. Well, after <laughs> after after we changed the name to Britain from Greater Ethiopia, um, uh, no, we just genocided them like we did with all other uh, non-white people uh, who had been here for millions of years. Some would say after Jacob uh, created us. Um, 
Uh, we are between 25 to 50% descended from Germanic tribes who arrived after the Romans, who, who, like the previous inhabitants, are indigenous to northwestern Europe. We are comprised of various Celtic and Germanic-speaking tribes, all native to this corner of Europe, and we have called ourselves English for almost 1,300 years. That's a nice, succinct breakdown right there. Obviously, there's a lot more history to that, but if you want a nice, mm. quick explanation, there it is right there. And he followed it up by saying, well, well you know, if you want to point out that, oh, you've mixed with different tribes, who can you say hasn't mm. in the past 2,000 years? And also there's the question of, we've been established and have some of the most robust documentation of our own history mm. going back for, uh, since, um, like he says, about 1,300 years. Um, not many other places in the world can say can lay claim to that same thing. Most of the places didn't even really have a written tradition for thousands of years up until quite recently. Yeah, we've got the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle. It doesn't really speak of, you know, Sub-Saharan Africans or Turks or, mm. or Bangladeshis being being here i mean it just well clearly somebody's been going back and changing the record that's that's the yeah. only explanation what it's falsifying documents what happened is windrush arrived which was a momentous occasion because it was the first time that blacks in any numbers had come into the country but also were returning to the country we celebrate it as a momentous occasion for rather <laughs> we're just coming home rather <laughs> confused reasons when you start to think about it for more than a second but yeah they came back here and then Clement Attlee, I must assume, decided, quick, we need to change all of the history books before they get too uppity. Hmm. That, that, that must have been what happened. But uh, it's important to know that this is how a lot of people feel, because Peter Dukes, as I mentioned, he's, a, he's a, a co-founder of this place, the Byline Times, who, as I mentioned, is the kind of leftist rag. Um, but if you notice here in the head, header here, they have this section, <laughs> Identity Empire and the Culture War. And I decided to click through that and see the sort of thing that they were talking about. And in it, you can find stuff like this where they're talking about uh, from Clive Lewis, MP, who I think is of mixed ancestry. Talking Clive Lewis is terrible. Have you ever seen him? Have you ever heard him in interviews? I've not heard him in interviews, no. Yeah, he's just, he's like a Peter Jukes type person. Well, anything and everything you can smear our heritage and history with, he'll say it. It's such a... With glee. It's such an American way of thinking, though, isn't it? It's an imported thing, mm. you know? They're like... A lot of British people don't realise the amount of history that they do actually have. And it's something to be celebrated. It's something to be you know, genuinely proud of. But it's an imported thing, I yeah. think. But for everything that you can criticise him on, Peter Hitchens is actually very good at discussing the change in schooling that went on mm. from the 60s onwards, where the, later, the closer you get to the 20th century and the uh, 21st century and the Blair years, the more you find the curriculum changing so that British history is being taught less as a complete narrative of a people's mm. and more as a series of particular units where you're looking at, here's a bit on the Civil War, as I learned about, here's a bit on World War II, but then also let's just start throwing in stuff like the civil rights stuff from yeah. America, where you're mainly learning about Martin Luther King. And that's not British history. And that changes the way that people are able to conceptualize themselves. Because if you have in your own mind a distinct narrative of a distinct people, that really helps you to conceptualize your place in the world. I Whereas appreciate it, it. Yeah, you should appreciate it. And if you only have, like I did for a very long time, just these distinct units, or you're basically, you're basically just trying to peek through, peer through the curtains at history. You're not getting the broad picture of it. Just to say, from the age of about Henry III or Edward I, our roles, the royal roles, are massive. 
people can't read them. A lot mm. of them still haven't been read because there's masses and masses of material. Go back, you know, we've got Magna Carta, uh, not Magna Carta, to say um, Doomsday Book, incredible document, a thousand years old. And before that, I mentioned the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle. We've got the Venerable Bede, mm. the Monk of Jarrow. Uh, we've got the Agricola by Tacitus during the first century AD. There's the account, Caesar's account of invading England. Um, There's plenty there. Is it, a, is it there. Pythias the Greek? One of the, Pythias the Greek, yeah. yeah one of the supposed first. to have sailed around the British Isles, that's right, yeah. 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 His book survives. But uh, all of that dismissed. Right, all yeah. of that dismissed yeah. as, uh, because... Conspiracy theory. P Peter Jukes amusingly decided to break out his own version of British history, <clears throat> which was that all of the native Brits before the Anglo-Saxons arrived were completely genocided. Or pushed into Wales. Because obviously, as, as you know, Wales is a word for foreigner. And that's how the Anglo-Saxons were describing the, the native Brits. Despite the fact that lots of recent genetic testing shows that English people are about, as, as, as Tom mentioned, about 25 to 50% native Brit in the first place. They have Celtic DNA. So if we just genocided them all, that's not possible, mm. really, is it? It, it mm. would mean that they would have no genetic legacy here as well. Like people of this country, they, they always go on about Cheddar Man because <laughs> we made a fraudulent statue of Cheddar Man where we painted him darker than he would have actually been, mm. probably. They ignore the fact that they found his and well, his um, uh, one of his relatives living still very mm. nearby to the area where they found him ten thousand years later. It's been completely disproved, discounted, isn't it? That whole uh, the skin, the skin color mm. element of it, yeah, because, yeah, yeah, because yeah, they were working with what ten thousand year old yeah. DNA that I mean, decayed. The technology that they were using to determine the pigmentation of the skin as well seemed to be a fifty-fifty mm. coin flip on whether it was yeah. really accurate or not. So the, the whole thing was a fraud to begin with. But I wanted to highlight here. You know, you've got Clive Lewis writing articles for the Byline Times and Peter Jukes talking about Britain built on forgetting our imperial history. Here's Windrush, as you would expect. And he talks about here, uh, he talks somewhere in here, yeah, paying reparations to the Caribbean islands of Granada. And that's the Trevelyan family. I think part of the Trevelyan family at one point was administering the BBFC. And talking about uh, ancestors, ancestors' parts in the enslavement of thousands of Africans. So, what you find the disconnect, the divide is that you're not allowed to celebrate your ancestry, to celebrate your shared history, or to have ancestry and shared history if you are positive about it. If you think that mm. it's a good thing, I come from a long mm. line of people who have a very proud and storied and uh, documented culture. But you are if you're paying retro, uh, uh, reparations for it, if we can single you out and get retribution for you. But it's such a reductive argument. And the thing about this is, is it falls flat on, it on its face when you start to apply it across the board. When, it's, when, when this argument of reparations, for instance, you start applying that across the board, you're, it all falls apart. Like the argument of doing it, it's gone. Because then who needs to do it? Do the Dahomey need to do it, for instance? Like, mm. who needs to do it? Mm. Like it's just, bar, do the Barbary slave trade? Do they need mm. to start paying reparations? I mean, do, we, do we need to go down you know, to Norway, get the Norwegians to do some reparations because the Vikings? Mm. I mean, right. where where do we end it? At I, what I, point I, do we end it? I say we end. Was it is it is it Dublin that was a slave trading <laughs> outpost for a long time where they traded British people? I say we end it there. We need to get our money back from Dublin. <laughs> I. Who knows? I may have had ancestors who were maybe enslaved by the ancient Irish back in the day. I need my gibs. <laughs> yeah. 
it's yeah, exactly. How far do you go back with it? It's absurd, you know. Mm. Do the modern day Iranians get reparations from the modern day Greeks or Macedonians, yeah. uh, Greeks, uh, for, for the campaigns of Alexander 300 years before Christ? There's, what about that, for example? There were lots and lots of people abducted from Ireland and from the south coast from places like Cornwall ended up in a, in a sultan's palace yeah. in the Ottoman Empire. Do we get reparations from modern day Turkey for that? I mean, no. Um, and anyway, I seem to remember. Uh, Britain and the British Empire leading the way in the abolitionist movement. Mm. In the 80s, which I seem to recall something about. I seem to people remember died, that they? we. Sorry, I think people died. Didn't yeah, they? yeah, yeah. We start. We had wars over it, over abolitionism. Um, we spent some of the shortest in history as we well. With Madagascar, amusingly, <laughs> we spent a vast amount of treasure on the Royal Navy to make that happen. I think we should get reparations from places like Grenada for mm. all the money we spent on the Royal Navy to abolish slavery. How about that, Clive? Oh no, you don't want to. Oh no, you don't want to listen to that bit of it. Uh, appropriately, I notice on the same page here that we have an advertisement for another article on the byline Times from my old pal Andrew Scott, also English, talking about how Englishness evolves. And uh, we can see a nice image here of um, uh, Pakistani mayor of London looking at a picture of an insane leftist, a footballer. I don't know, Bo. You could probably fill in the blank there. Who is that? That's Harry uh, Tottenham dude. I can't remember. His name. I don't. He's the, one of the greatest goal scorers at the moment. I can't remember his name. Oh, fair say. play. And then, and then at the end, we have the new British. So here we have a perfect encapsulation, really, of Britain at the moment. Certainly London, which is two foreigners and two people who probably despise themselves, all put out in a hideous street corner with some ugly painting with ugly graffiti on the wall. Fantastic. It looks like a fire station, doesn't it? It might do. It looks like a garage or a fire station of, of some kind. It's, it's just completely performative. It's a lie, and everybody knows it. And if you want to know some truth about England, as we've been talking a lot about it, you can actually go back through Bose series of epochs, which if you're a premium subscriber to the website, uh, I'm sure you're all very familiar with because it's one of the longest-running series on the, on the channel. And uh, it's very, very worth going through the archives. You can talk about... Pythias's extraordinary voyage to Britain, Roman Britain, Alfred the Great, the Anglo-Saxons, Ethelstan. There's so much to go through. You've probably not even covered even a fraction mm. of the total of British history at this point, have you? Yeah, so many of my greatest hits there. I wasn't prepared for this. Great, thank you for that. Um, yeah, no, done, done loads of it and still not really scratched the surface going through it. It's sort of fairly chronologically and still only up to uh, Edward III. Uh, but yeah, always, always you're only ever going to scratch the surface if you're doing a podcast that's an hour and a half, two hours or something. Um, yeah, there's so much there. To say we haven't got that we're not a people or an indigenous native people, it's just, as you say, absurd is the right word. I mean, I actually replied to Dukes at one point and I said, I said, so I paraphrased, I can't remember exactly my words, but I said something like, um, this is genocidal. Um, mm. Hopefully in generations to come, um, People like Dukes will be remembered in the same vein as someone like Pol Pot or, or mm. Tamerlane, Timur the Lame, as just uh, one of the most malevolent, evil people history has ever thrown up. Not necessarily a Pol Pot, but I could, I could see them kind of being remembered alongside a Walter Durante, the, the, the kind of uh, shit heel uh, media journalists who were following along the side of genocidal maniacs and making excuses for them and saying, oh, it's not happening. It, it's not happening because it doesn't matter anyway because you don't exist. 
I feel like someone like Peter Dukes, if they were given sort of complete executive absolute power, probably I wouldn't put it past him to do something along the lines of the Khmer Rouge. <laughs> Just get rid of them. Just get rid of them. I mean, it's on that level for me. It's, it's, it's sickening, truly sickening. I was just going to say, we've been told time and time again, right? Like, you know, don't be patriotic. Don't like your country. Don't like this stuff. You're a bigot. You're this, you're that. We live in a racist country, all this kind of nonsense. And yet in the same vein, the same people that say all of this are like, yep, we're hugely diverse. It's like, you pick your poison. You know, you can't be hugely diverse and then also live in a racist country. It's not how, and the, not how it they works. They can't also advocate for mass migration and demographic change, while at the same time pointing to the Anglo-Saxons and claiming that they genocided all of the native Britons. So it's like, okay, so you're bringing historical examples, completely misremembered, inaccurate historical examples, uh, and then saying, actually, they genocided the natives. So how does that bolster your argument in any way? The contradiction that diversity built Britain, that diverse peoples built all of it, did all of it, but also at the same time, it was massively racist and evil at the same time. Mm. Like, cold, wait, right. so which one is it? Yeah, once again, Windrush in this fantasy is just a celebration of the return of the indigenous people. Mm. But it's not. They don't even really try and make it make sense. They they're not trying to make it all but, fit together and have logic. But that's why they, whenever questioned, they resort to very, very nonsensical replies because they don't have they don't have a leg to stand on. And it's just all part of demoralizing everyone. Like, there's nothing positive about those, those statements. They don't do anything positive for anyone in anything that they do. Like, that website said something about the crisis of British journalism. It's like, well, apparently you said Britain doesn't exist, so that's, that's a hypocritical statement. But also, like, you know, where's the positivity? Where, where are you putting out anything to lift people up? You're just trying to demoralize people over and over and over and over again. Like lift people up. Be proud of where you come from. Be proud of the country. We've done a lot of good for the world. Yeah, absolutely. If you think that British journalism is so terrible, do some good journalism for Britain. Yeah, I mean, that into go. it. Also, once again, if, I hate to deconstruct the logic even further, but if you're saying that Britain isn't a real thing, then you can't say there's British journalism because there is simply <laughs> an individual's individual journalists who are all performing journalism, which has to be assessed at its own quality on an individual basis. So if you're trying to take any kind of grouping of peoples together while denying that groups exist, you can't do it. It's completely nonsensical. Your brain can't wrap itself around that because it's not the way that human beings operate. Obviously, we make generalizations and categories of groups of individual things. It's just how we get through our day. And uh, mentioning Otto English, as I did, I got into a spat with him as well, where he was talking about the same thing. He, he started to try and attack me after I commented on the whole thing. And I pointed out, you know, you're actually supporting the Tory line. If you hate the Tories so much, well, it's the Tories who've helped to shift the demographics so much. They're the diversity built Britain party. And also, uh, why is it that I can't afford houses? Why is it that everything is so expensive since the late 90s? And he points out, oh, well, it's because they don't build enough. So I say, but yeah, but why would you need, why do you need to build so many houses when the population is either stagnant or falling because of low birth rates? It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And he, he goes on, he asks the same question, define the British people. For those who don't know, Otto English is um, an, an author called Andrew Scott, who is quite appropriately the author of a book called Fake History. And he's got a new one called Fake Heroes out in 25th of May. And if we uh, take a look, you can see a little bit of that cover there. It's basically just saying, 
all anyone who might be remotely aspirational from the past was actually an evil racist. So therefore, you're not allowed to like him. That's kind of the, 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 the path he takes. So not a historian, an anti-historian. Yes. A bizarro historian, the opposite. Well, of you, could say, you could say you're a revisionist historian, but I think that's an insult to revisionist historians, some of whom have done some really good work examining things like the Spanish Inquisition, for instance, uh, and trying to figure out what's truth and what's lies. Because you can say, yeah, there's a... I'd, I'd call him a court historian because he's mm. towing the exact line that the establishment wants him to. I've seen him floating around Twitter. It's a sort of exactly the sort of personnel block. I'm just not interested in any sort of advice <laughs> from them or any sort of dialogue with him. But he seems to me, um, you know, just the classic example of, uh, yeah, abandoning reason or logic or anything at all and just saying whatever is the most disgusting, divisive thing in any given context. Yeah, well, he, he has a whole, a whole crew, a whole gaggle of retards he brings with him <laughs> wherever he goes because he's a terrible reply guy on Twitter and whenever he shows up because he's got over 100,000 followers there's you're sure to get a motley crew of dysgenics in your replies one of whom I'm almost certain was a bot who kept calling me a racist coward and I kept responding to him saying because he would ask questions and end them with racist coward and I would give an answer to his question and he would go ah deflecting again are you racist coward and I was just Okay, either you're, you're not a real person or you're the equivalent of not a real person. I was going to say, they're, they're basically the same at this point, aren't they? Because yeah. again, they don't have any critical thought. Well, yeah, because what you, it, they're perfect uh, examples of the NPC meme because mm. you, they have one dialogue track that they can stick by. They have the dialogue tree that's only programmed like a Bethesda game where they only have one <laughs> choice that they can go down and you decide to rewrite the code and pretend like, oh, maybe this is Fallout New Vegas instead. And they completely, they go haywire and they don't glitch know. Glitch out. To, yeah, they glitch out. <laughs> they don't know how to respond. It's the thing is doing that on Twitter or, or even in real life where you're in an argument with someone and you just keep resorting to uh, just uh, being rude, just saying you're a racist coward. Mm. Whatever they say back, you just go back with your racist coward. That sort of thing is playground level stuff. You know, like mm. a seven-year-old, a 10-year-old can do that easily, endlessly. So... That's why I, I, I block loads of people on Twitter all the time. I'm just not interested in that, in, in having that back and forth with anyone. Um, well, I respect it. That's, what, that's one approach. But also, I needed an opportunity. to. I was bored over the weekend. I was making Fair myself enough. a fry up. <laughs> I'd thrown one little tweet out there, and then all of a sudden I had a maelstrom descend on me. <laughs> I thought, you know what? Let's run with it. Let's just run with it. It's boring. You know, the missus is still in bed. I've, I've got nothing better to do. Sometimes it's fun. Yeah, sometimes it can be fun. It's an hour. You know, there's no way to really there's no way to really counter the fact that you can send in a DNA sample to something like Ancestry and 23andMe and get a detailed breakdown of your ethnicity. If it didn't exist and wasn't based in science, right. you wouldn't be able to do that. Of course, he ended up resorting to uh, imagine why you should care. Imagine right. imagine why you should care, which is the last refuge of the the coward who's lost the argument. You just turn around and go well, you may, have, you may have a few points, but why do you care, bro? Why do you care? All I'm trying to do is justify demographic change and destroy your identity in history. Why do you care? But, but also, isn't it so funny that they, they reveal themselves as, well, quite literally just hardcore racists? <laughs> you know, he's talking about colour. No, I mentioned, I'm not talking about colour. You, you, yeah. You're saying that Britain doesn't exist. You're starting to bring colour into it as opposed to, you know, like, it's, it's cultural, Right, it's it's far and above just color of your skin. Yeah, it's, of course. You know, and 
but the reductive argument is always colour. No. No one's talking about stuff like that. Yeah. That's not what it is. So, somebody's character doesn't change if the second they get a deep tan. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but diversity to these people is quite literally, well, what colour are they? Yeah. But that's racism. But, that's yeah, the racist element. That's the funny thing as well. Uh, the, uh, I've see, I see lots of people recognise it, which is when you get these leftists into a corner and you tell and you get them to admit okay yeah maybe culture, some cultures are different they always resort to oh well what are we going to do then genocide them whoa 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 yeah, yeah, yeah full on mate who said that mate yeah. what are you on about because that's the only way that they conceptualize it and i think it is because to a certain degree the leftist mindset is one of a supremacist and they see themselves as a kind of a uh, an intellectual supremacist they put themselves above the plebs like you or i and they say, well, your life is worth less mm. because of that. Your history, your people are worth less because of that. So, of course, they're going to start applying it to yeah. everything else. They see they've got a hammer, so everything becomes a nail. That is why I mentioned Pol Pot or someone like Timur, um, because, again, they, think, go, yeah. they go there very, very quickly. Mm. Yeah, I suppose you are right there, actually. It's considering like, it. Maybe we should reduce mass immigration or start a, a policy of re-migration. Oh, you mean to... You mean to kill every person of colour, do you? It's like, what, should we start firing up the gas chambers? Yeah, yeah it's like, oh. yeah, it's interesting. That's where your mind went immediately with it. Okay. okay. They're so incredibly violent. These people are incredibly mm. violent. And it's that mass hysteria that's gripped them. And that, that's what they resort to at all times is this, like, you can't engage them in a normal conversation because they will just resort to violence as well. Yeah. It's just and awful. Peter Dukes ended up with a similar line here. Facing ignorant racists is actually quite fun. I do recommend it. They have nothing in their heads but ahistorical. You, you told everybody the Anglo-Saxons genocide the Brits, so you don't know what you're talking about. Unscientific Nazi nonsense. So this is a classic example of what I would like to um, describe as wetting yourself in public and declaring yourself the victor. Haha, <laughs> 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 finally. Everybody's pointing and laughing at me. I must have done something right. Thank you very much. Straightens tie. Joke's on you. I got 9,000 views. Oh, wow. Impressive, <laughs> Peter. Yeah, and uh, I think the logic can really be condensed down to because he posted, because he kind of got into it as well and started, respo uh, started responding. And he, the English came from Germany. Well, <laughs> that's, that's not true, though, is it? You know, some of the tribes migrated over from Jutland. Yeah, the Anglos, the Saxons, the Jutes, all from that part of the world. Yeah. Uh, they're not the same thing as the English, certainly not the modern English. It's just not, like you say, the analogy of a cake, the ingredients, and then a final cake. Mm. You're confusing the two. Yeah. Deliberately. So, so I, I just simply, he got a nice, um, he got a nice reader's uh, community note on that, but I just simplified it down to, well, when you think about it, everything's just made up of individual atoms. So nothing really exists, does it? And that's, that's this really, I know it's quite tired to point it out, but like postmodernism is just a purely destructive mindset when you're only deconstructing. And that's the problem with it, which is that they never have any prescriptions for anything. They only have a completely destructive description of reality. And even then, a very poorly understood reality in the first place. So when people like Peter Jukes and Otto English, who sadly do seem to have a certain level of... Um, media influence within the establishment because they are towing the party line, they're court historians, court journalists, whatever you want to call them. Um, ignore them. As much as I'm saying about how, you know, it was fun for me to, to spend some time, the actual content of their argument is completely void because it's only a post hoc rationalization 
for why the powers that be are able and allowed to do what they're already doing. And you should stand against it and you should recognize that you do have a history, you do have a culture, and it's not evil to be proud of that. Should we go on about Joe? Okay, yeah. Do I need this mouse work? <laughs> yeah, do you need... Um, you've got the thing, haven't you? Um, John, should we move on to the next segment? Oh. Yeah, I'll let John do it. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so I thought we need to talk about Joe. Sleepy Joe Biden. A conversation needs to be had. And actually, the point of this segment is that it is beginning to be had. Uh, yeah, look at this. Uh, Primetime Alex Stein 99 uh, did a tweet where just look at Joe's physicality and uh, like the expression on his face. Like, he, he, I mean, it's, it's sad. He doesn't know where he really, yeah. really doesn't know really where he is or what he's doing. That's tragic. The you audio know? of it is someone's going, you're president, man, or something like that. Um, Everyone can see at a glance that he's, he's geriatric now. Now, I don't know if it is, um, you know, actual Alzheimer's or... Well, the, or, the thing is, do you know what this reminds me of? It, what, last year, sadly, my final remaining grandfather passed away. And, and uh, towards the end, he was in hospital, clearly suffering from Alzheimer's. And you would go to visit him. And when he was in, that, uh, when he was in the bed, Mostly, it would be a glazed-over look in his eyes. He wouldn't really know what's going on or where, where he's going. But for a moment, you get a hint of recognition, and he would have that exact look on his face with just that momentary recognition and the surprise that comes with it. It's and that's what there. I'm seeing there, yeah. Yeah, it's really sad. It really is sad. That was the other sort of angle I wanted to do with this take, is that it's not funny. I'm not, I'm not trying to ridicule the man. It's, not, it's really not funny. Um, you know, sometimes we've got a bit of a reputation for just like endless cackling and giggling on this podcast. Sometimes we're dealing with actually really serious things. I mean, that's, that's elder abuse, isn't it? I yeah, mean, yeah. At this point, you're wheeling someone out to... That's I mean, what... he very clearly cannot function. He's not a functioning human at that point. And that's not, you know, it sounds really harsh, but it's the truth. If you left him in the street, what would happen to him? Like, genuinely, that's not a functioning person. That's awful. Mm. And he wields, allegedly, the most power <laughs> in the world. His finger on the button mm. and launched 10,000 nukes in the blink of an eye, apparently. Um, can you scroll down whoever's controlling the thing to the uh, this? Yeah, the, uh, no, the, no, no, this, this job, yeah, that okay, scroll down a bit, yeah. Um, so it's been known since even before he became president in the first place that he had issues, it's just obviously got a lot worse, hasn't it? I mean, even in the last year or so, it seems to have got a lot worse. Um, I wrote an article the best part of three years ago now. And um, to quote myself. <laughs> the illustrious <laughs> history, bro. Yeah, the brilliant B.B. Dade wrote, quote, Joe Biden is senile. I don't feel the need to qualify that any further. It's obvious to anyone with eyes and ears. Because that's the thing, that's sort of, that's the final command of the party is mm -hmm. to ignore the evidence of your own eyes and ears. Mm -hmm. um, we all know it, that it's the case. Um, and that Sleepy Joe is suffering from relatively severe cognitive decline. You know, whether who knows exactly what it is. Mm. I think there's all different types of dementia. Uh, dementia, um, you know, a brain tumor. Who knows what it is? But whatever it is, he's not. He's not okay. No. The man isn't okay, right? Um, I said only the most rabid and partisan of, of Democrat shills would attempt to argue any different. Uh, but even they now, even now, you are starting to see some people on the left, in the corporate mainstream media in America, 
start to say, oh, maybe Joe is getting a bit old. They, they obviously couch it in language not as strong as what I just said, just flatly calling him senile. Isn't he supposed um, to be standing as well? He is, yeah. I think just yesterday... Get some younger candidates, for goodness sake. I think yesterday he won a primary. Um, or, or uh, As the incumbent president, you know, it's usually nearly always the case that it's just it's more or less a given. Mm. Not exactly, but more or less a given. Um, and yeah, there was, like, what, 18 months ago, two years ago, discussion within the Democratic Party infrastructure. Should it be Joe? And they've obviously decided it will be. They are going for it. But, I mean, you, you're delegitimizing your own party at that point. Like, you, yeah, I'm, I'm laughing stock. I'm questioning what the logic behind that is. As, as, well, because he's easily controlled. Uh, I, I suppose yeah. so. But the question is, is he a surefire vote? Oh, well, that's another question. Is he a surefire Will vote winner? Bar- barring <laughs> barring an- another dose of fortification. Pesky <laughs> um, fortification. The, the, the logic that I see in a lot of these even leftist outlets recently coming out and starting to question him, as I pointed out when we spoke about John Stewart the other day, pointing it out himself, is that it seems to be the Democrat apparatus turning around to the rest of the party and saying, everybody can see how bad this looks. Everybody can see that he is senile. Everybody can see that we're basically weekend burning <laughs> this this campaign. Um, so Said it's not funny, but sometimes. <laughs> so we need to get somebody who's younger, more dependable, who can actually deliver a speech without um, having mental blanks every five seconds. We need to get somebody who has some more charisma in there so that we can have a better campaign. But if they are just going to go ahead with him, it looks like they are. It's a strange tactic. It does look like that. Um, Gavin Newsom was talked about, wasn't he? There's always the possibility of old Kamala. Mm. See, as, as, as much as he seems like an evil angel, um, Newsom, Newsom yeah, right. probably would be a good bet for them if they wanted to get somebody who was a bit younger because you could even run off the bat, off of the basis of saying, look, see, finally we've got somebody in who's running who isn't uh, an OAP. Mm. Yeah. Now, Gavin Newsom obviously completely disagree with his politics and his worldview and things he says, and what he's done to California is a c- terrible crime. Uh, but he's, I'm sure he would win more votes nationwide than, than Sleepy Joe. Um, he has got some charisma. Again, don't like the man, but you could not like someone and admit that they've got yeah. you know, some sort of presence about them. You can recognize character traits and still you know, dislike them. Yeah. But didn't they, didn't they impeach Trump for some sort of health issues. They, there was some controversy over him, maybe I think you know, bogusing some of his health stuff. It's like, mm, really? The double standard. Really? The double oh, come standard. on. <laughs> yeah, they did. During his presidency, or maybe it was just before, uh, I think it was during his presidency, there was talk yeah. of, uh, we need to make sure Trump does some cognitive testing to make yeah. sure he's not mad. I could have sworn and that yet, <laughs> And yet, here we are. Um, I, said, uh, I said another thing in that same article towards the end. I said... Uh, uh, I said there isn't anything particularly funny about a president of the United States with the ability to launch nuclear weapons who doesn't have complete control of his faculties. You know, that is the bottom line, really. He's supposed to be able to nuke people or send in the Marines or send in the Pacific Fleet or something. Well, regardless whether he is actually in power or not, whether there's any apparatus around him that's controlling him, it doesn't matter because he's the face of the apparatus. Mm-hmm. And if he is so cognitively impotent at this point in time he still may slip up on things as he clearly does which can still affect things on a geopolitical scale that's still a liability you know regardless of whether he's actually in power or not 
is still the face. So I'm surprised that they allow it to continue because mm. that's still a massive, massive liability. Still influence massive changes. It's crazy. And it's embarrassing to America, to their prestige. Now, I don't want to um, dunk on Americans. I am half American. I'm massively embarrassed by Rishi Sunak and other, and other things. But, you know, it's just not, it's just not great to see it mm. um, because the president is the commander in chief as well. Yeah. Um, so even if it is just on paper, uh, it's, it's just not, it's not a great look. I said, uh, so Biden's clear decline uh, should not really be the subject of comical cheap shots. Um, it's far more serious than, than that. The stakes are absurdly, stupidly high. They are. It's a stark and alarming indictment of the US political system that he was able to get anywhere near the presidency in the first place. Um, so that's the sort of point I wanted to make. I don't want to take a shot at Joe because when he did have all his faculties, he was, a, he was an arsehole. But to take the piss out of an old man like that who's struggling mm. is, is not, not really cool. Uh, but the people that put him there and that are keeping him there, they're demons. They're doing a terrible, terrible disservice to America. They're evil. It's, it's, it's unbelievable to see. I mean, primetime Alex Stein 99 did say it was elder abuse. It does seem to be like that now. Let's just yeah. trot him out. You know, we do that sometimes. Sometimes it happens when a pope gets very, very old. Sometimes it happens with our kings or queens. They get very, very, very old. But you still have to sort of sometimes physically will them out mm. so the public can see them, see that they're still alive just about or something like that. And they're a figurehead and they don't set policy or anything like that. But they're still alive here. Here, see, that's, the, that's where Joe is now. Um, and it's not okay for the president of the United States, for a pope, to get away with it. Mm. For a king of England or a queen of England, you can get away with it. The cockpit of power doesn't necessarily sit with them, or it's kind of okay if it doesn't for a while. It's, a lot it's more, not the case with the president of the United States. It's a lot more difficult to stage manage in the era of mass media as well, where everybody's got a camera in their phone constantly, because maybe you would have been able to get, get away with it 30 years ago. Maybe you could get away with it like they did towards the end of FDR, where he was, he was suffering cognitive decline, physical health issues, but they had enough control over what got released to the public through the media where they could hide it until all of a sudden he drops dead one day. Joe Biden is being filmed constantly, and if he's going anywhere, you can be sure that there's going to be someone filming it and posting it online. So you can't, help, you can't hide those gaffes the way you used to be able to. Yeah, I mean, Ronald Reagan was beginning Whoa. to suffer. What just happened? I wonder if the cameras are still on. <laughs> I doubt <laughs> it. Well, this is new. Yeah. Uh, John, what's going on? Wow. Oh, are they? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> carry on. Apparently, darkness. <laughs> well, you know. Can we? Welcome to the spooky Halloween episode. <laughs> Um, get some torches is, under your chin. I guess we're going to have to edit some of this out when it goes on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, John, has it affected the rest of the office? Well, Nate, this is literally, this has never happened. Yep, this is, <laughs> so welcome to the... All right, so we're wow. still streaming live. <laughs> okay, well. It's one for the blooper reel. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Here we can go. This is going to make a great ending to um, Lotus Eaters <laughs> Out of Context, isn't it? All right, Mike we've got lights coming. on. We've got lights on. The computers Things are, are rebooting. Coming alive. Rebooting. Everything is working. Your Things sheer magnetic alive. presence <laughs> clearly blew a fuse in oh, here. That that's fine. What I, happened. I'll take it. Yeah, there we go. And <laughs> I think, well, we're almost back. 
Let's wait until the screens yeah, come back on. I wonder what the chat are saying. There's been some <laughs> funny comments. John, do you want to... Oh, here we go. Oh, it looks like we need... There we go. Here we go. It looks yeah. like we need... Oh, oh, all right. Then fair oh. play. Oh, yeah. I don't have power to turn everything off. Your godlike powers. We did have a power cut in this building in the morning time about a week ago, didn't we? So yeah. The building... All right, it looks like... Remember, guys, everything works great. The modern <laughs> world is fantastic. Things are running as they should. Okay. Well... <laughs> Um, what was I even saying? Yeah, where were we going? Blathering on about elder abuse, will right. about yeah. totem of power, yeah, and yet that, dangerous. It, it, that it's not cool that there's something clearly wrong with Joe Biden. Well, it's funny you mention FDR because mm. he's the only president to be elected four times, and he was clearly dying when he was running for his fourth presidency, mm. and he died not long into his fourth presidency. So. Well, there's, there's diary excerpts and reports that you can get from the meetings that he was having with the other lead, uh, leaders of the Allied forces um, towards the end of the war, where they're all saying, yeah, he, he kept repeating himself. He wasn't listening. His eyes kept glazing over while we're in these meetings. He's not all there. Been ill for a long time. Uh, I was going to say Ronald Reagan began to struggle with Alzheimer's while he was still in office. It didn't really get banned too afterwards, but still there was, you could tell, because there's gaffes, aren't there? People misspeak where mm. I've speak for a living now, done a few hundred hours worth of content. Sometimes you misspeak. Yeah. Now, a normal person, when you misspeak, you don't even hear it. Well, that's what happens to me a lot. Someone says, did you mean such and such? I was like, oh, what, what did I say? Because you don't even hear it, yeah. right? There's that, right? And then there's sort of just going blank in the middle of a sentence and not really knowing what you're doing. Or, Well, I've got a few clips here. John, if you can play some of those example clips, or Harry, if you can play some of those example clips. Sort of feel a bit bad to sort of, do this, but but it's 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 so clear and it makes see. makes it clear, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, again, the physicality of those oh. the women on the, those my administration are women. Yeah, that one. Oh. It's painful to watch. And you can't get your, your chest on top of um... Jill's doing a lot of heavy lifting there, isn't she? Yeah, everyone around him are desperately trying to. Is it? Is it not? Okay. Is it not an indictment of the political American system as a whole, though? Because is that not clearly on show the lack of power that he does actually have? The fact that they're so happy to have that person in charge. Yeah, but just that one alone would president would be. He'd never be allowed to forget it. Um, With the music as well. This all goes together quite nicely when you're talking about how they're trying to cover it up with that recent tweet that the Biden um, Twitter account put out with him with the meme red laser eyes. Dark, saying, just like dark we, Biden. Yeah, dark Brandon, I think it is, they call it. Whereas like, just like we drew it up, Jack. No, but you can't. This isn't a YouTube thumbnail contest, guys. You can't just put red laser eyes on Joe Biden and go, see, cognitive, cognitive decline stopped, halted, reversed even. No, everybody can see it. You know, he's not shooting anybody with red laser eyes in any of these clips. He's falling over and stumbling. Um, there's a few more clips. I think maybe we don't have to actually show them because they're Let's go to lick, lick the world. For Muslim, for, we cheer for Muslim athletes like Kareem Al-Jubu... And 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 Joan Shengang, I'm going to pronounce Shanga. I feel bad. Koala. Ban on transgender. 
Okay, to, uh, to be fair, I can kind of respect mispronouncing foreigners' names. But uh, uh, I, yeah. I, I, don't think, I don't think that he's doing it on purpose. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. There's more. Uh, do you want to... Can we just play the last one? Okay. There. Yeah. Just um, Americans, transgender oh, Americans. This one? Uh, the last clip. Oh, the very last but one. There. Oh, all right. Because this one speaks volumes from that one. I think it's this one. Yeah, it's this one. I'm going to say something outrageous. I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. That's, that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable because that isn't misspeaking or kind of forgetting what you're doing. You know, normal people, mm. young people, you can forget what you're doing or talking about mid-sentence. It happens, right? Yeah. But that's not what that is. That's really, it's obviously not what it is. So, okay, I don't want to labor that it's point too much. quite sad because yeah. sometimes it seems, like he has, it seems like he has good days and bad days, but that felt at the beginning there like he was actually present again, hmm. like he was actually going somewhere with that sentence, but then trailed off somewhere. Yeah. Um, just say there was that clip where Donald Trump walked fairly gingerly down a slope once. Apparently a very wet slope in dress shoes with no grip. So in order to make sure he didn't fall over, because in American events that's something like a real political injury to ever be seen to fall over. So he sort of very gingerly walked down the slope. And I think about here, the, tiny, yeah, the tiniest of missteps. And people were saying, oh, he's too old. He's past it. He needs to have physical checks. And you can see once he gets off the slope, he's, he's absolutely fine. And that was uh, barely perceptible. Right, yeah. And it's nothing anyway, right? So the double standard, both physically and psychologically yeah. between Trump and Biden is just very, very stark. Uh, but as I say, as I started the segment with, it seems that even the left-leaning corporate media are, well, they can't ignore it. So even The Guardian, uh, well, recently there was uh, some of Joe's extended legal problems. Um, even his actual legal enemies said, look, we can't even put him on trial as any sort of witness for things. Because he's not a credible witness. He can't remember. He can't remember things. He can't remember what has happened to him. He can't remember his own life very well. And so he's not a credible witness. Well, that's a quote. He's an elderly man with a poor memory, which is, you know, the nicest thing, nicest way of saying it almost, isn't it? It, w it would be kind of like um, asking Ozzy Osbourne to testify in court, wouldn't it? Yeah. What happened, Ozzy, in 1972 that, yeah. when you did something? Ozzy's not going to remember. No. Right? <laughs> yeah. So there's The Guardian. I've got a clip there from uh, CNN. Um, Do you want me to play this one? No, no, no. It's just a headline, really. All right. um, MSNBC had one. Um, even HuffPo, even Huffington Post, uh, you know, uh, sort of not, can't really ignore it anymore. And yeah, as I say, even just yesterday, it looks like the Democratic establishment are going ahead with him for another four years. Four more years. Four more That's, years. Un unless they <clears throat> want... Trump to win. Well, the only last thing I'll say, because should we start ending the segment? Yeah. If you'd like. Yeah. Um, is that, um, well, he could very easily, if he wins, just say he wins again, just say he wins again. He will probably, probably die in office. Right. Um, and then the Democratic Party establishment can, can play around with things, right? They well, can they can then, airdrop anyone. 
Yeah. But it's yeah. just so dangerous. On a geopolitical scale, it's just so dangerous. You've got a weak, feeble old man, and that's not, you know, it's not meant to be insulting. That's yeah. just the truth. Yeah. In charge of what is arguably supposed to be the most powerful nation in the world. It's a laughing stock at that point. Everyone's going to take pot shots. You know, like it's dangerous. It's, it's so fundamentally dangerous. And the Democrats are playing with the West's life, mm. essentially. Mm. The Western world is in danger because of whoever is in charge of the White House. And if it, uh, that, uh, that's, yeah, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. It is worrying. Uh, I mean, one last thing I'll say is that there are examples in the past when you've got someone who's the head of state or the head of a country or whatever, and they might be mad or they might just simply have no interest in government or governance. That's a classic example might be somebody like Nero, who just insisted on spending all his time essentially doing whatever he wanted, chariot racing, singing, playing the lyre. And yet government ticked over fine. In fact, the Roman Empire was still doing well or in, in flourished even under him. So hopefully, maybe, it seems that it is the case on some level, the United States of America can function mm. without a chief executive who's got all his marbles. So that's something at least. It's not like a medieval king where if he's mad, it directly means that the whole kingdom will start falling apart in short order. It doesn't seem the case for the United States. However, as you say, it's just not good. And uh, it's a real worry. And uh, if the Democrats do run with him in, in November, um, it's just one more reason to hope Trump wins. All right, let's move on to the last segment. So... I thought this would be an interesting one because satire is something we often hear about these days. We often hear that X or Y is satire. We hear that this is supposed to be making fun of you. But most of the time you then look at the thing, the product, the media product that you're supposed to be insulted by and you go, well, if it is trying to insult me, it's not doing a particularly good job of it. This doesn't I hope this seem... is satire, by the way, because obviously the 1980s was peak cinema. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was Dan asking a question, and I thought, as soon as we've got you on here, Nate, uh, that it would be an important question to ask you as well, or an interesting one. Because in this segment from a few, I think it was last week, he was talking about how you know AI is going to be taking over making mm. some films when the technology gets better and better and better. Probably be a lot of work still actually programming in all of the commands and writing a script that will be able to understand but you will be able to get to the point at some uh, sometime in the future where you will just be able to enter in a load of commands mm. and have a product after an hour or two that you can then edit into something that's usable. Uh, and he, But at the beginning of this, he asked the question, when do you think the last really good year for movies was? Where you could say the blockbuster releases um, that were good outweighed the ones that were bad. And I'd be interested to get an answer mm. from both of you here. I don't know, because you... In cinema, you think of the era as opposed to the year itself, mm. generally speaking. So you, you, said the, um, you said the 80s. Yeah. In the 80s, yeah, like synonymous with fantastic cinema as a whole. Uh, individual years, not something I would ever really boil it down to. I, I would always look at an era because it, that tends to, you, you've got the sort of fashionable elements of the entire era sort of 
you know, all, well, all within one. Dan put his down to 2008, mainly because Tropic Thunder came Very out. Specific, right? It's really, mainly, really specific. Mainly because yeah. Tropic Thunder came out okay. and he finds Robert Downey Jr. in blackface really funny. <laughs> and to be fair, I respect that. Um, so if, if you can't think of a, a particular year, then what, what would you guys say is the last really good era of movies I, where it's really consistent yeah. classics coming? I would, I would say the 80s. The, the end of the 70s, and as it sort of went into the 80s, was fantastic cinema. It was really, really good. There's so many cult classics to this day and films which, you know, you, you, you talk about AI as well. Like, you're never necessarily going to get the issues that were on set which generated such great cult classic films. And that's part of AI's sort of awful hygienic element which will just ruin art moving forward. Yeah, you can't have the same impro- uh, improvisational element into the film <laughs> when you're having to really refine everything to a prompt that an AI can mm. understand. Like I, I, I recently had a discussion with uh, Chloe from Proper Horror Show, who, which will be appearing on the website very soon, uh, where we were talking about the works of Stanley Kubrick. We only got a bit of the way through because his works are so interesting to talk about, mm. so much to talk about. I was really shocked to discover that for a guy with a reputation as being so meticulous and so precise with everything that he did, that he was actually really improv- uh, improvisational mm. on the sets as well and would sometimes, especially on the set of something like The Shining, would be giving new script pages yeah. to, the st- uh, to, the, to the actors every single day where to the point where Jack Nicholson said, you know, I, I don't read the scripts anymore. I wait for them to show up and I read the lines because I don't know if I memorize them one day, they're going to change the next day, which really shocked me. But that really adds to the tension of a film mm. like The Shining. The fact that Stanley Kubrick was basically abusive to, oh, yeah. to, to the actors on that one set take. really take. got the best performances out of them. Yeah, is well, that, exactly. Is he famous for doing... A stupid number of takes. Oh yes, over a hundred oh, takes yes. of the um, of the scene where the axe is coming through the door and Shelley Duvall is screaming. Completely unnecessary. Yeah, he basically thought that I'm a filmmaker and he's one of the best of all times. So. Say say unnecessary, but then does the product speak for itself? Right. Yeah, no, That's fair the point. Thing, it's, it's, it? it's the exact opposite of someone like Clint Eastwood, for instance, because obviously he's directed dozens and dozens of films. He does one take every time, <laughs> and then he says, "Look, no, put it. That's it. We're done." <laughs> So if you've nailed it, that first take, amazing. But there's so many stories of actors doing that first take with Eastwood on the first day when they're filming with him and going, oh, I feel like I could do this better. Should we go again? And he's like, nope, <laughs> we're doing the next shot. Oh, all right, well, then. Your question of what when was peak cinema, I'm painfully aware that my answer might just be when I was still a kid or a teenager. <laughs> but I feel like, um, yeah, the 80s into the 90s, I think like by the mid-90s, something like Jurassic Park or Terminator 2 or something, Still in sort of the mid '90s sort of time, they were still they weren't infected with mm. with woke nonsense. Um, so got- I think there's loads of great films from the '90s. Even in the early 2000s, there were still great films getting made. Um, but ne- they, so. it started to bleed into the over reliance on technology as well. So they would CG, CGI stuff that very clearly did not need CGIing, or the limitations of CG did not allow it in the first place. And so that started to bleed into it, and then yeah, just I, I would probably put, ruined it from there. I think I would probably, for me, you know, it's difficult. It's so difficult because there's so many films that I like over such a wide period of time. But I'd, I suppose I would say, yeah, that early '90s to early 2000s period for me, because by the time you get to the early 2000s, you've had really great films like The Matrix come out, mm. and then you've had the 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 Lord of the Rings trilogy come out at that time period as well, and then since then. Um, there's still been plenty of good films that have come out since then, but there's definitely been a shift. Oh, yeah. 
there's been a shift in the quality, a shift in the type of production. As soon as green screens became this really affordable and quick, easy way to make a film, is when that's where you get stories of like Surrey and McAllen on the set of The Hobbit, where he'd been in The Lord of the Rings before and really enjoyed the experience, where he's on The Hobbit and all of his scenes are now in front of a green screen and he actually begins weeping on set because he says, you know, I'm not. I didn't start acting so that I could yell at a tennis ball in front of a green screen. That's not what I started doing this for. Because that, that experience is just so unnatural for, for anybody to act in a, a realistic way. And, you know, as much as we all uh, joke and say, oh, the prequels are better than people give them credit for. And in some, some ways they are, but they definitely helped start that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It depends what, you know, obviously, what you define as a good film. I mean, we took, say, the 80s was great for films but then if you take you know one of the most quintessentially 80s films off the top of my head i think maybe like commando mm. or something it's a, it's a good arnie action film but in terms of greatest films of all times you know nowhere near really it's pretty silly it's a pretty silly film there are some um, really great arnie 80s films yeah, that can lots, fall into that category i think i like first, commando i love first, commando but first terminator i'd say is a, is a classic film that's a, a low budget yeah. thriller it, yeah, it, yeah. among those it's one of the best uh, predator the Predator's That's brilliant. an absolute classic. I love Predator. I like Commando. I'm just saying, if you're going to make your top 20 films of all time, mm. Commando's not going to make the cut, right? But you know... Um, that's all I'm saying. Ha- you, you raise a really interesting point, and I think it's really valid, actually, is that that era balanced it nicely. And that's what's lacking in today. There is no balance. It's one singular focus, one singular message, subversive nonsense from Hollywood. And that's it. That's actually what we have as a range of films to enjoy. Clearly, there are obviously some things which slip through the cracks, of course. But generalization, it's all homogenous. It's a homogenous story. Homogenous casting. Diversity through casting, not diversity through storytelling. So you saying that Commando was there and it's a bit silly and stuff. Yeah. But we had good balance. It's fun, though. Exactly. And we had, and we had really good films these days. We had really good balance and good counter-programming. And the art of counter-programming is lost now. Yeah. Generally, uh, real life squibs, no CGI. It's all real. Squibs. Oh, oh yeah, Robocop uh, was amazing um, for the squibs back yeah, in the day. Yeah. When, what is it? The E something or other machine? Uh, the the robot. Yeah, Ed two hundred nine. When he just unloads on that guy in the boardroom. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. an amazing scene. Yeah, I watched that when I was too young. I think I was about nine <laughs> years old, and that scarred me. That was that was the first super gruesome killing I ever saw on celluloid. Anyway, and, yeah, then, but, he, and then he said, "Awesome, yeah. super cool, <laughs> yeah, do it I again." Think, um, I, I think it's also this thing about how to say it that there's a humanity to older films from the from the eighties, from the seventies, from the sixties, or even old black and white films. There's sort of there's a real humanity to them. I think hope people know what I mean by that. I, I think and now now films where you've got a Mary Sue or something, mm. it's just DEI, just um, just crammed down your throat. It's not. It's not the real human experience. Nothing is explored about the, the human experience. Mm. I, I think there's something to be said for the difference between then and now, filming on 35 millimeter or different types of film as opposed to digital, which is what most people do now. Because uh, with film, you get the film grain, there's a certain naturalistic look to film. Even though it looks very cinematic, it feels like it's happening in front of you and can drag you in. Whereas digital, as you know, high definition as it can get, you get that artificial, unnatural look to it. There's a bit of a sheen on everything that yeah, I don't they, like as much. They, they actually uh, try to bring back in the older look in post. So a lot of it's noise. 
you try to add noise back to the you can, to the you digital can tell the difference. try to add grain yeah absolutely but it's even it's even down to motion blur so old film there's a, it's shot on like 23.9 frames a second and it adds a really nice motion blur and it's what we're trained and it's what the human eye appreciates we like it but now a lot of it's shot on a much higher frame rate or sort of downgraded and things like that yeah that was the, and the hobbit, the hobbit fr- as well yeah, yeah 60, uh, 60 frames a second but it's awful. It's, it's horrendous to look at. I heard stories it hurts. of people... Like it actually hurts your eyes. I mean, they, yeah. They it makes could, you feel sick. I think they could only show it in that frame rate in certain specialized cinemas mm. that were prepared for it. And people who went to go see it there, they reported lots of headaches. Yeah, it makes you feel really nauseous. Because I remember one time I was at my, uh, my sister's and her, her, um, her mister at the time was watching... Harry Potter or something on the TV and it was a really high frame rate TV. It was like, you know, 4K is, yeah. is in 60 frames per second these days. And it was a precursor to that. Ugh. And I looked at it and it was so strange to me because everybody looked like they were moving in fast motion yeah, but it's... too slow at the same time. It came, it felt really unnatural to my eyes. So strange. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see a film shot nowadays with an actual old school, really old school, like 1960s Technicolor film. What is it, 35 millimeter oh, yeah. or something? Yeah. You know, like how Cleopatra or Ben-Hur or one of these old 60s, sort of the early color films. Yeah, not a digital version to make it look like that, mm. but actually do it. Yeah. Um, get people that, I'm sure those cameras still exist, even if they're muse- museum pieces. Mm. Um, you know, do a film in that again, I'd love to see that. Mm. Yeah, you, you can still get that old school aesthetic. You just need to use the old school technology. Mm. I think, did the lighthouse, I know the lighthouse was filmed in a very specific old school uh, aspect ratio. Do you know if that was shot on film or was that digital? I, I, the ins and outs of that, I'm not, I, I can't quite remember now. I think, I think there was something to do with that, whether it was shot on film or not. I'm not quite sure. But I know that they went through quite a lot of issues making that. So it might have been that they were shooting it on film. I don't know. Because I can completely understand from a practical mindset why you would choose to shoot on digital. It's mm. so much more convenient. You don't have to lug around as much technology. You don't have to... The editing process, you're not having to actually go through film reels and splicing them together that way. But it, it just looks better. Mm. <laughs> for, for me, it looks a lot better. But going on to um, what we talk about with classic 80s and 90s films, one of the big bits of discourse that happened recently was... Uh, the uh, thing seems to have stopped working. One moment was the Starship Troopers discourse, and uh, there was the big idea that there was a certain type of person on the left who had decided that because Paul Verhoeven had decided not to read the book that it was based on, or at least not read past like page fifty, and went, "Ah, oh, people love their country and are willing to fight for it. This must be fascism," and then said that his film was a fascist uh, satire. Then lots of leftists watched the film and say, "Well." No point thinking for myself. It must be a fascist uh, satire, and that was a that was a big interesting thing because they like to trot out this new term that's only really started popping up in the last, uh, past year or so, which was the media liter- uh, literacy. If you disagree with my take on a particular film or piece of media, you need to get some media literacy, which means read an interview with the author so that he can tell you what to think. Or, as I saw someone point out, which is much more likely in what they're doing. Watch a video essay from a leftist who read some interviews so he can tell you what to think by proxy, which is interesting. And the same thing seems to be happening with this new game that I've only just heard of. But whatever you do, don't read the original Henline novel. No. Whatever you do, don't do that. Okay. No, because you're not a fascist, are you, Bo? <laughs> you wouldn't read fascist literature, would you, Bo? That would be verboten. Fascist sci-fi. 
Yeah, comrade. Um, yeah, th- there's this new game that came out recently, which I've only just heard of. Carl and, Carl and some other members of the office have been telling me that it's really awesome to play. And I saw that you've spoken about it recently uh, as well, yeah. which is Helldivers 2, which is very clearly to me, we couldn't afford the Starship Troopers license, so we just made a Starship Troopers game, but called it something else instead. Uh, where a lot of people are very annoyed that people like it, despite the fact that, don't you realize this is a heckin' satire of fascism, bro? This is the opening cinematic, which I watched earlier, which is actually pretty funny, so... Super Earth, our home. Prosperity. Liberty. Hi there. <laughs> Democracy. Our way of life. Oh, hello. But freedom doesn't come free. <laughs> no! Sweet liberty! No! <laughs> Look familiar? Scenes like these are happening all over the galaxy right now. You could be next. That is, unless you make the most important decision of your life. Prove to yourself that you have the strength and the courage to be free. Join the Helldivers. Become part of an elite peacekeeping force! See exotic new life forms. and spread managed democracy throughout the galaxy. Become a hero. Become a legend. Become a Helldiver. I mean, sign me up. Yeah, That looks great. That looks fun. And from what I've been told in the office, it sounds like a really fun game. But people are sharing stuff like this. Friendly reminder, you should not... This is from the Helldivers alerts. Your true value should be placed in something greater. Kindness and morality. Don't be cringe. Choose to think. Okay, so from what I saw there, one, I've got a question. Do you think the guy in that was supposed to look as much like Richard Spencer as he did? (laughs) With the hair and everything. Uh, Two, if this is supposed to be some kind of satire of fascism, which is what some on the left on Twitter seems to think it is, um, once again, we have a problem, a similar problem that shows up in Starship Troopers which is a fascist, multiracial, multi-ethnic family, mm. which is not what I remember Mussolini and Hitler advocating for. But, you know... That, not classic fascists. Yeah, yeah, I can't really remember that part of it. But okay, you know, you see some people say, well, of course, the most ethnically diverse people on the internet are the racists. Um, so maybe that's something to do with it. But also, once again... It's really difficult to get me to sympathize and empathize if there is really a legitimate threat from um, massive demonic alien bugs that want to rip my face off. You're not going to get me having much sympathy for them. I've also been told that the other enemies of the game is the, the like Terminator killer robot. Yeah. I just, the left don't know how to have fun. Yeah, it just looks They just cool. don't have fun, do they? Like, also, let's be honest. And also, they, they literally use the term managed democracy in here. So if anything, this, the most this could be said to be making fun of is America spreading trans rights across the world. Hmm. But even then, 
if you're looking at this and going, well, those bugs are obviously supposed to be Middle Eastern Muslims. Oh, yeah, well, that's a self-report on, on, yeah. on, on the individuals, isn't it's it? Funny. It's the classic the thing. thing, though. Um, defending yourself in any way is fascist. Mm-hmm. Right? That's sort of the overriding thing they're saying there. I noticed nine million views. I think that's because so incredibly popular. A lot of broken records. A lot of people are not uh, (laughs) are making fun of this. Okay, Um, that's good. That's something. But also, it seems to be a very popular game at the moment, and other people are pointing out, you know, this classic meme: "Whoa, a satire on how heckin' bad fascism is." Note the real message: Shut up, nerd. (laughs) And uh, remember, if you're having fun in a game. You're having fun <laughs> with uh, the mid-century mustache man. <laughs> Do your part to stop fun and fascism by joining your local media literacy commune today. Oh, is it an Xbox game? I assumed it was a PC game. I, I think it's PC game, but you, I don't know if you can... can do you I, know? Think you, I think you can play it on. Yeah, you can get it. Run. Shockingly, I don't know if this is a real image. Um, I think there <laughs> might be some editing trickery going on here. <laughs> um, but I was pointed to this by Carl who shared with me that the actual makers of the game are n- maybe not in on this whole satire joke thing going on as well, because there's these screenshots from the uh, Steam page where people are leaving reviews saying, friend got banned for asking to add one LGBTQ cape. My friend got permabanned from the Discord without a warning when all bro did was ask if there's a chance they will add LGBT cape or background. Dude was permabanned and even got death threat in his DMs. Mm, okay. I get it that a lot of people that play this game are COD fanboys from Shroud and Summoning's One fan base, but dude, it is pathetic how toxic this community. Woke Hammer L's saying that I will now buy your game. I'm shocked if this is true, if this is real, then uh, that's shocking amount of um, Based. yeah deviance from the prescribed narrative from the developers of this game. If it's the developers' Discord that this person got kicked from. Most companies would go like, oh, don't worry, we've already got the gay stuff planned. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing with a, a lot of these is that, so there was, I think it was, uh, I can't remember what game it was, might, might have even been, I don't know, another online service game that you could sort of mod and people were making mods to remove a bunch of the political messaging mm, and they I clamped think- down on it and was like, no, 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 no. It, we're going to ban you if you mod this stuff and remove it. And it's like, well, this is the this is the alternative of that, which if this is true, great, good. Do you want to have yeah. fun with our games? Well, great. Yeah. We won't shove anything down your throat. You can have fun with our game where you shoot mm. big evil bug monsters in outer space. It's also weird. It doesn't really make that much sense to me is that, I, okay, I want to play the game where we export, quote unquote, democracy across the galaxy at, at the point of a, of a machine gun killing massive bugs. I'm up for all of that. But only if I can have a rainbow skin on my on my futuristic machine gun. Only then will I be comfortable. It's just, it's just how many genders exactly are we exporting <laughs> to these alien planets? And there was other reports as well where some people were just saying like, no politics in the game. I was banned from the Discord. Bloody blah, blah blah. Can the whole democracy bravado be toned down? But I dislike the nationalistic fascist theme that it has. I thought it was supposed to be a joke, bro. Don't play the game. You obviously don't have the media literacy to be able to understand (laughs) and comprehend what's going on here. But from what you were saying, we know what happens to a lot of games that, um, you know, I think Go Woke, Go Broke has got a bit of a 50-50 hit rate. Yeah. But when it does hit, it hits hard and you get lots of games these days that do really pander. As I mm. spoke about recently with uh, you and Callum, Bo, 
the uh, Suicide Squad game, uh, which came out and was very unpopular, decided to crap all over the franchise that it was part of, dis- uh, dis- uh, disregard the legacy characters, can literally piss on their corpses at points where one of the characters urinates on the Flash after you kill him, because that's what you want to do when you're playing a fun superhero game, right? It's murder the vi- murder the heroes and then urinate on their corpses. Well, it turns out that doesn't really do very well. It turns out that people look at that and say, this looks, one, the game doesn't look fun. Two, it, this is really insulting and hates me. So I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to pay for it. And Warner Brothers Discovery have said that it's a, fallen short of our expectations, which is always, it's basically corporate talk for has tanked. Well, they, they, yeah, I mean, they go on to say how the rest of the year is going to be really, really data, you know, uh, tough and they're not going to recover. But ultimately, you know, you get what you deserve at this point. You, you employed Sweet Baby Inc. You only employ them if you don't want money. <laughs> you know, that's what they're there thing for. That I it's found nonsense. looking into it was, I think it was the CEO of Sweet Baby Inc. was one of the head writers on it. Mm. They stuck Sefton Hill and some of the other ro- old Rocksteady guys' names on it who had left the company halfway through production of this game so that you would think that, oh, it's the same creative yeah. team, but really they'd airdropped in a load of um, professional wokes to, the, to write it for. The, the thing about games now, this is a AAA game, for, you know, supposedly a AAA game as well. I mean, people's cynicism with these games are so sky high. And the games developers should know this, right? Because you release, you release a game, day one patch, the equivalent size of the game. Like you're selling a broken product. And yet they still have the audacity to release this garbage, knowing full well the cynicism within the market. I mean, that's it, it's just sheer resentment and hubris. I right? think there's a part of them that want it to fail so it can generate headlines saying misogynistic gamers refuse <laughs> to buy a game because they hate women. I think that, that when you talk about the cynicism, that might be fueling yeah. part of it. The other thing is, I haven't played this game or the other one we were just talking about, but from what I understand, from what Carl said, the actual game, regardless of any of the storyline or anything. The actual gameplay, in-game gameplay, is fun and good. Mm. And for that one, apparently it's not. No, this... this so, apparently this is like an actual crap game. This is going to give game. you an ep- epileptic seizure if you play it, because the amount of crap that it throws on screen at all times... I watched the supercut of Mauler playing through it, and the amount of crap on screen on the UI means you can't even see what you're doing half the time, which is not a f- fun recipe for a game, shockingly enough. It's the same with movies. You could make a left-leaning, wokest movie. I don't think one has been made yet, but mm. it would be possible to make one that was well-written and well-put-together enough that as a piece mm. was a good movie. I think yeah, that, would, that would be possible, okay? Uh, same thing goes for something that's super, super based or right-leaning. If it's put together poorly enough, yeah. it won't be a good movie. Um, and so, obviously, the same would apply to, to games. Like, is the actual game fun? Can we, are we even... It doesn't, people even really ask that much anymore. Cool. But anyway, according to Carl, that Starship Troopers game is a, is a good game. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I did have some more stuff, but it's not as relevant, and I think it can be saved for another time. So uh, with that, let's go on to the video comments, shall we? Hello, Lotus Hope you're all well, excluding your recalcitrant scroller. I joined Twitter when Elon bought it, and I found many awesome memes and GIFs. But this picture put out by a weather manipulation conspiracy site blew my mind. It is archived, and it is, or was, word for word, or it was at the time, if people would like to check. The science is settled, and it makes sense with what we know of cloud seeding. So why don't they do it? 
Interesting. Let's move on to the next one. Regarding the last hour about the top 10 generals, I have a few things to say. Europeans introduced the weapon of gun to the Japanese during their Sengoku Jidai, also known as their Civil War era. The Japanese discovered their inner Americans and that made Europe very, very concerned. So, in order to avoid a potential conflict, the Europeans decided to spread the Christianity to Japan. Actually, the most I know about Anglo-American-Japanese relations is that uh, when America showed up at the borders of Japan in the 19th century and just said, open your borders or we'll open fire. Mm. Um, as, as thanks for opening the borders, they said, oh, by the way, here's a train. Look at the amazing things mm. that we've been able to do. And the Japanese took that and they just ran with it. Mm. Now they're really good at trains. <laughs> yeah, Chandler opened up Japan for the Americans. I mean, Matthew Perry, Commodore Matt Perry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I do a bit on that. Me, I think there's an old bit of content with me and John Wheatley. We talked about it, but I've talked about it. Oh no, I did another thing—a road to. I did an epochs, the, the road to uh, Pearl Harbor, where I talked about that at least in passing. Uh, yeah, it's interesting, very interesting bit of history. But yeah, we did a bit of content about top ten generals mm. in history, and um, it was very uh, Western-centric. There was one Japanese general in there. Um, you can't please everyone. We've only got 10 picks. You're going to do yeah. about so many greats. The principles of non-derogability and accountability frame the seven absolute rights as follows. The right not to be subject to extrajudicial killing. The right not to be subject to emergency measures that have no legal or constitutional justification. The right not to be tortured. The right not to be subjected to arbitrary detention. The right not to be subjected to cruel and unusual punishment or excessive bail. The right not to be punished for what is said in the course of parliamentary proceedings. The right to be tried by an impartial judge who is a member of an independent judiciary. Quite a lot of people in the West don't have all seven of those at the moment. I'd to say that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, yeah the, the... An independent judiciary. <laughs> Emergency measures. You want the moon on a stick, don't you? <laughs> I would. That's pie in the sky. I would kind of like to see people punished for what is said in Parliament, but that's far beyond mm. my power to be able to do so. Um, I think that I respect all of these. I think these are uh, very fair rights for people to hold. Uh, the problem with it is that you need to rely on the honour and accountability of the people who administer those rights, who are in positions of power to be able to protect your rights. And we just have people in power at the moment who don't give a shit. Yeah. That's a fair assessment. Hello. Last week, Bo asked what was behind me on my wall. This is my collection of archery releases. I make accessories for them, and I do reviews for them on YouTube. For anyone who doesn't know what they are, they are mechanical triggers that you hook onto the string of a compound bow, and you draw with that instead of pulling with your fingers. The one I think you noticed was this one. It was discontinued, but it was made by a company called Bernie's Archery. It is aptly called the Equalizer, and it is pretty much a knuckle duster with the head of a hinge release. Nice. nice. Yeah, nice. That's all really cool. Thanks for thanks for that. Really appreciate that. And actually, when I came out of the studio, about three different people t immediately told me what they were. Oh, really? Like, I didn't even hear. Yeah, yeah. They were like, well, I learned something. Yeah. Then. Um, anyway, they're they're pretty cool. <laughs> what the hell is this? This looks less cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! All right, it is on, quite then. easy to manipulate user input. I do it all the time to properly format <laughs> voice commands for the robo waifu. Play music. Here's a quick example of how easy it is. 
that was uh, quite a trip right there. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that when people Uncanny. talk about, you know, when they're building the AI waifus, I'm glad that somebody's actually working on that because that might solve a hell of a lot of the incel problem. Now we're talking about travel logs and the decline of our civilization. I just want to recommend the YouTube channel from Tyler Oliveira, where he goes to the actual most dangerous places on the planet, San Francisco, and even worse than San Francisco, Canada. And honestly, these videos are worth watching just for how eye-opening it is when he simply takes a camera to these places and film and let these people speak. I would call it a third world country. But I have been to Vietnam, and Vietnam, even in their slums, wasn't this. Yeah, I think even in third world countries, there's probably standards of behavior that people are sticking to. That if you're a crack addict in San Francisco, you're not adhering to any standards, really, are you? Yeah, I've been to a few places in the so-called third world, some very poor places, Cambodia, Laos, um, and yeah, and there are, you know, mm. there might be there might be sort of slums and even sort of massive piles of rubbish, trash in the streets and things. But there doesn't seem to be a, a pandemic of drug addicts around. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've never, I've been to some third world countries and never, ever feared that I'm going to be randomly stabbed. Yeah. But they, I've usually felt very safe in the, the small number of third world countries I've been to. But it, it all depends, doesn't it? Yeah. All right, so... One thing I absolutely despise in France. Well, in America, in very small towns, you're never getting graffiti. Our police enforce the laws. We're very, very, very vitriolic to the people who graffiti. But even in small towns like this, there's graffiti all up and down. And it's it's not good. And when I get the chance, I'll send a video of the city of Nantes and how just covered it is. It's really gross. Mm. It's like pride. In France. I think it sounded like France. That's what you meant, yeah. yeah. It's funny, different places you go in the world have differing degrees of problems with graffiti. One of the things I found remarkable is in Italy, there's a massive problem with it. You go to Rome, mm. and not necessarily on the Colosseum or anything, or at the Forum, but in their normal, you know, uh, buildings. It's covered, absolutely covered in graffiti. In London, some places you go, there's graffiti problem, and other places not, right? Yeah. Yeah, in in some places like Manchester, it's just almost part and parcel of the city that a lot of it is sanctioned. A lot of it will have been commissioned. These big pieces of hideous graffiti right, right. on the sides of walls that yeah. some uh, somebody has been paid to do. You know, they should be imprisoned for doing so because uh, some of it is absolutely hideous, like drag queens on the walls and such. It's, but, it's amazing, isn't it? Like they sanctioned that, and yet they let you know Victorian buildings fall into complete disarray and disrepair. It's like, what would I rather look at? Beautiful architecture or some just some scummy scrawling on a wall? Drag queens advertising Baileys painted on the wall. That is legitimately something that is in Manchester right now. If you go near the Arndale in the town centre, it's hideous and they're pulling the most demonic facial expressions as well. Yeah. I hope some... I, I hope... Not that I would ever condone it, but if <laughs> some brave vigilante were to go and scrub that off the wall it would be an it. immense improvement to the atmosphere of that city well it's again it's all very very deliberate it's people that run the councils and things want to destroy our cities and things there's one one very 
small example, in East London, in Peckham, there was a mural of um, Only Fools and Horses. I don't know if you saw oh, it. Oh, yeah. Really well done of uh, Derek, of Del Boy and Rodney. And uh, the council just ordered it painted over. Why just whitewash over that? Just yeah. have some pride, you know? Some pride in where you live and some pride in the sort of buildings and things. It's just gross, gross. Yeah. And, and like he said, I think in America, it's the case where a lot of places still have local law enforcement who will crack down on that stuff. In here, there doesn't seem to be will from those in power mm. to actually do anything about it, except for very specific exceptions. Like if somebody did, some brave vigilante out there did scrub off that hideous mural, uh, the police would be on him immediately. Yeah. You know that because that whole mural, like you say, de demoralization, it's there from the local council to let people know that you are controlled. You are under our power. My anyway. impression is that in small town and rural America, they largely live as they nearly always have, i.e. with law and order yeah. and everything. And it seems largely nice. A bit like in Britain, it's really the inner cities, bigger inner cities where civilization is collapsing. Mm. In, uh, in actually the majority of the country, it's much as it's always been. There's still some very nice rural areas in the yeah. country. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, I'll read through some of these written comments while I've still got time. Luke Edlin says, Hi, bloody love Nate's videos. It's fantastic to see him as a guest. Hey. Charles Francis Montmercy Gilead Oliver says, This is what happens when you let a historian tell you the date. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hector Rex, always enjoy when Jason, Stath uh, Jason Statham is on the podcast. <laughs> the real Jason Statham. Not that fake that you'll have seen in the movies. <laughs> Uh, Win Pill Seeker sent $2 on Rumble, thank you very much, and said, Hey, Mr. H, it's me, Sketch Therapy. Great to see you here. Tell them about your Datsun 510 project and your car nonsense channel. Yeah, so uh, I have a sort of penchant for Japanese vehicles. Oh, right. Absolutely adore Japanese cars, old Japanese cars. So I've got uh, two, well, three very rare ones. So I've got a Datsun 510, 1968 Datsun 5.10. Which preceded the Hakusuka, which is the original Skyline GTR. Iconic, loads of people love that. Uh, and then I've also got a, a, a Datsun 720 pickup truck. I've got a, a Corolla when they were cool. Actually, when they were cool, they were cool at one point, believe it or not. Um, and yeah, I, I, I have another channel where I tinker around with vehicles every now and then. So. Oh, cool. I didn't even know you were a petrol head. Oh, yes. Sounds really fun. Have you got a really big driveway or multiple garages? How do you? No, unfortunately not. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I've got like a, how my house is set up is that there's a driveway in the garden. So I co-opted part of my grass as, okay. a, as part of the drive as well. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Not Just a String sent in $3 on Rumble and said, nearly a new all-time high on Bitcoin. Dan doing any segments on it soon. A lot of excitement there. One of my hopes to end the money printer and save the country. I don't know if he is doing any segments on it. Maybe he will next week. Um, I imagine it's of interest to him because... Uh, he probably has some Bitcoin squirreled away somewhere. I was saying in the office the other day, when I was still working on the phones back in the day in the call centers, um, like this would have been 10, yeah, 10 years ago now when Bitcoin was still worth about 300 quid. A strange African lady called in and didn't even want a phone claim or anything. And she was telling me over the phone, oh, you need to buy Bitcoin. You need to buy Bitcoin. And I thought she was some crazy huckster. But now I look back and say, you know what? You were trying to look out for me. And I made a mistake. I should have. I could have afforded a Bitcoin or two back then. That was one of the native Britons, your, yeah. uh, your ancestor, really? trying to look out for you <laughs> from beyond the grave. <laughs> I, 
I think what it was was some African witch doctor <laughs> had read something in her voodoo and decided to let me know. And you know what? Damn it, she was right. And I missed out there. I could have so much money right now. Me and Dan could, should do uh, something on Bitcoin and uh, um, brokenomics on Bitcoin. I've got a small amount of Bitcoin. I'm pretty sure Dan's got some. Um, I've, I've got a very small amount. Used to have a bit more. According to according to John, it apparently just hit 60k. Wow, that will be a PB. That will be an all-time high, I would have thought. Um, uh, yeah. Well, uh, it feels like a bubble, though. So yeah. if you want to sell now or now-ish, when it starts to fall again, might not be a bad time to sell some. It's not a great time to buy some. In other words. That's what they always say. Yeah, well, you know. But uh, last comment, because uh, we've gr- run over time, so I'll go over this last one now, which is Shadow Band, again on Rumble, sent in $10. Thank you very much, saying, I miss comedies. There used to be like dozens of comedies released every year. Teen comedies, silly comedies, kids comedies, rom-coms. Now there's like five per year max. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any comedies I can remember coming out over the past year. There's, the only one I can think of was uh, some Jennifer Lawrence one where she was starring as a woman uh, hired to basically lose some kids' virginity by the parents. Oh, yes. That's the only one I can think of, and that's only because it kept being advertised to me on YouTube before a video would play. Well, the selling point to that was she got naked in the movie. Oh, did she? <laughs> yes. Maybe I will watch it. <laughs> Apparently, it's a full frontal. So. <laughs> Well, so so I'm watching that less for the comedic value in that case. Yeah, that's that's literally the only one I can think of is that Jennifer Lawrence one. Can you think of any comedies that came out recently? Yeah, there was. I think it was. I think it was a movie called Any Anyone But You, which was a a rom com. Sydney Sweeney, uh, one of the chaps from uh, the latest Mission, uh, not Mission Impossible, uh, Top Gun. But I I didn't watch it. It's not not my cup of tea. I mean, arguably, Madam Web is a comedy. Yeah. But the stuff they put out now is just funny by default. Yeah, by accident. Yeah. Would would Barbie was Barbie a comedy? I didn't watch it. I know Carl and Connor couldn't shut up about it for a while. Yeah, wasn't it wasn't funny remotely. Yeah. So I, I I didn't watch it. But uh, anyway, that's all we've got time for. Uh, let people know again where they can find you. Yes, you can find me over at uh, YouTube Mistake Reviews uh, and Twitter Mistake Reviews. Wonderful. So find Nate there at Mister H Reviews. And uh, thank you very much for tuning in. I know we had some technical problems, but I think mm. we managed to muddle our way through it. It's been a pleasure having you on, Mr. H. And yeah, great pleasure to be here. as always, Bo. So uh, thank you all for watching, and we'll see you again tomorrow. <laughs>